Lord God, we do welcome you into this place. Uh, We thank you that we can come here in peace uh, and in safety. And we thank you for the opportunity to worship you and to gaze upon you and to learn more about what you have to say and speak to us through your word. And Father, looking at some of your servants who did just that and how they encountered you on the top of the mountains. Father, um, whatever the mountains are in our lives, Lord, we pray that you will um, be with us in those challenges and that we will encounter you in whatever way, big or small. Um, So, Father God, please bless this time of worship this morning uh, and please hear this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. It was typical for a summer's day in the Dales. A mere half an hour into our first climb, which was Penny Ghent, the first of many squally uh, pulses of rain hit us. Uh, And as I climbed, I was very thankful for the fact that someone in the group I was in had brought a spare raincoat as mine hung nice and dry in the cupboard back at home. When we uh, completed Penny Ghent, we headed for Wernside then. Uh, Wernside is somewhere up in the clouds on that picture. That's a long walk, uh, and during that walk we came across some fellow hikers who were passing the time by reciting their way around the Monopoly board, and the pulses of rain kept on coming, and they were quite heavy, it has to be said, uh, to the point where the water that had been collecting at the top of my socks had nowhere else to go but down into my boots, and at which point my feet began to squelch and the blisters inevitably began to form. Uh, So we camped at the Ribblehead Viaduct before tackling Wernside for our lunch. Um, So an all-day breakfast sandwich and uh, a number of Mars bars later, we then headed off again. Uh, The rain had stopped, thankfully, but my feet still squelched. Um, We did Wernside, and then down the steep descent, across the valley... A quick banana-based refueling stop, and we were ready for our final climb of the day, which was Ingleborough. Um, the rain had definitely stopped, thankfully, at this time, and there were hints, hints that something called the sun might yet make an appearance. And at the summit of Ingleborough, it finally did. Um, three peaks down, the final peak, and we were finally bathed in glorious sunshine. And Despite all of the uh, the rain, it was definitely worth it. It was a uh, a big challenge, but it was uh, it was very fulfilling. And also, despite once you've done Ingleborough, there's a five mile uh, walk back to the car, which um, you have to summon up your 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 mental strength to do that, especially when uh, you have twelve blisters on your feet um, and you're walking over little bits of limestone, and it's just very, very painful. Um, So we did it. Uh, We did it in 10 hours. Uh, But why did we do it at all, I hear you ask? I did ask myself that question, actually, in the days that followed, because repeated attempts to put needles into blisters failed, and my feet were just in absolute agony. 
Um, but we did this, uh, we did this walk, uh, with, um, some of my now former colleagues, um, in memory of our friend Louis. Uh, Louis unfortunately was, uh, killed in a road accident earlier in the year. And so we did it in, in his memory. And had that not happened, then I wouldn't have even contemplated doing the Three Pigs Challenge. But it forced me to push myself, um, not just tackle one, but three mountains. And it experienced something that actually would have been far easier just to not bother with at all. Being able to complete that challenge did require uh, a big effort. And uh, it did feel pretty daunting at times. But the reward, stepping up to that final uh, cairn there on the top of Ingleborough, really did uh, make it all worthwhile. And... Um, yeah, that, that, that was huge, actually, being able to do that. I didn't have to do it. As I said, it would have been far easier and far more comfortable to stay, uh, to stay at home, uh, chilling out, whatever. But I would have never had the fulfillment of, of doing this challenge. And challenging ourselves on a, uh, on a spiritual level is, uh, I think, a crucial part of our relationship with God. Our relationship with God is just that. It is a relationship. Uh, and therefore it requires effort on both sides to truly fulfill its potential. And it can be all too easy to stay in the comfort of what we know. But for how many of us does that mean just, uh, just ticking along from one week to the next? What do we expect of God in our lives? Are we expecting constant and profound encounters to just happen? Uh, how many of us just turn up to church after a busy week doing other things and expect to plug right into the worship or into the message uh, to get our fix of God and instantly recharge that spiritual battery? If that's the case, then that relationship isn't going to grow. And I know that because I'm guilty, very guilty of that myself. But what I want to do now is look at some examples, and there are many examples of the Bible where profound encounters with God, they didn't just happen, they required a response. And actually, when you look more closely, quite a few of those encounters required physical mountain climbing. Um, so I want to just look at two Old Testament characters who you can argue had probably the closest relationship with God of any ordinary human being. Uh, the first is Abraham, and the second is, is Moses. And both of these men experienced the presence of God when they climbed mountains. So we're going to look at Abraham first, and John's going to come and read to us from Genesis chapter 22. This is Genesis chapter 22 and the first 14 verses. Thanks, John. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. 
he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. Thanks, John. So this is a, a momentous example of faith and obedience on Abraham's behalf. To make that journey uh, and that final climb, knowing what he was going to have to do, must have been sickening. But having put himself out there, uh, completely obeyed God to the point where he was going to slay his own son, he experiences God's provision of grace right there on the mountain top. Those last words that, that John just read, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. We sung the words that, that Abraham uses in, in Jehovah Jireh um, not so long ago. Everything needed in that, that Abraham, everything that Abraham needed in that moment was was given to him. Uh, but then so much more besides. Having sacrificed the the ram, uh, the eternal promise of God is is then reaffirmed on top of the mountain. Verse seventeen: I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. That obedience is what is ultimately credited to Abraham as righteousness. 
And that itself is a bit of a crazy thing because the Bible tells us that there is no one righteous. Uh, no one is right with God. Uh, and actually, the only way that we become right with God is through Jesus. But it does then talk about Abraham, who is clearly the exception of the, to the rule there. His total obedience to God makes him right with God. And he is given this, this glorious promise that affects all of us today. How obedient are we to what God calls us to do, to do? To the witness that he calls us to be with respect to our family, uh, church, work. Do we do an Abraham and crack on and get climbing, even if the prospect of whatever it might be is very daunting? Or do we do a, perhaps a Jonah, uh, and ignore it and even run away? Our second Old Testament character um, is Moses, as I've said. Um, and I think this is the third talk in a row where I've looked at an example from Moses' life. So that in itself tells you just how important his relationship with God is to all of us now. And with Abraham, that mountaintop experience was all about uh, faith and trust. With Moses... Uh, this mountaintop experience that we're going to look at is all about intercession and redemption. And it comes following the huge mistake that Israel made with the golden calf. And that's a mistake that actually nearly resulted in God abandoning the people. So Emily's going to come and read to us now from Exodus chapter 33, verse 12, going through to 34, verse 10. Thank you. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will pro proclaim my name the Lord in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, You cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. And the Lord said, There is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand, and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. The Lord said to Moses, Chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones, and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Be ready in the morning, and then come up on Mount Sinai. Present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. No one is to come with you or be seen anywhere on the mountain. Not even the flocks and herds may graze in front of the mountain. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up on Mount Sinai early in the morning, as the Lord had commanded him. And he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, 
The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshipped. O Lord, if I have found favour in your eyes, he said, then let the Lord go with us. Although this is a stiff stiff-necked people, forgive our wickedness and our sin, and take us as your inheritance. Then the Lord said, I am making a covenant with you. Before all your people I will do wonders, never before done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. Thanks, Emily. There's so much in uh, in this the passage that Emily's just read. It tells us so much about God. It's such an intimate, intimate um, experience that Moses has with God. But for me, it, it conveys so much both about God's total power and might, but also about his love and grace and, crucially, uh, his, his forgiveness here. The gravity of this passage is huge. It tells us that God does hear us that he does listen to our prayers, and that he can change the course of history. Moses is able to make intercession for an entire nation because of his deep and personal relationship with God, and it culminates on top of the mountain. And it follows a call to God, from God to come up to the top of the mountain. It's another call. Um, just like Abraham was called, uh, Moses is, was called and he had a choice whether to go up there or not. He did go up there. He put in the effort to meet with God on top of the mountain. And in so doing, he changed the course of Israel's history forever. Verse 10 of chapter 34. Then the Lord said, I am making a covenant with you. Before all your people, I will do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. That's a huge change in stance from what God was saying to Moses just um, a chapter earlier, um, where he was threatening to uh, to basically abandon the uh, the children of Israel because of their sin. Intercessory prayer is vital for us as Christians. It's something that I have really struggled with uh, recently because many times recently I've, I've felt that my intercessory prayers have fallen on, on deaf ears and have been ignored. Uh, but then that does come back to the fact that what our desires are might not be the best thing for us. Nine times out of ten, probably more than that, our intercessory prayers uh, will not be met with the dramatic change in direction that we want and maybe feel entitled to. But what we learn from Moses is that there are times when the course of history can be changed uh, and those mountaintop experiences can and do happen. So there are two mountaintop moments that each changed the course of history. Uh, and there's a third, of course, that we absolutely cannot ignore. Um, it might not be a mountain the size of Sinai. This particular one is uh, barely even a hill, um, I think. 
Um, what and wherever it is, we may not know for sure, but its name, when translated, means the place of the skull. Um, and before we come to Calvary, um, which is another name, there is another occasion where Jesus climbs a mountain uh, that I just want to mention, and it's in, a, it's in one of those throwaway verses. Well, just goes to show that no verse is a throwaway verse in in the Bible. This is in Luke chapter six, but this is a, this is a verse that you might otherwise just kind of gloss over when you're when you're reading it. So Luke chapter six and and verse twelve. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. That's it. It's a it's a little bit of a random verse. Um, that, as I say, you could probably very easily skip over. And in fact, if you were to just read the start of this section from verse 13 in Luke, it would still make per, uh, you know, perfect sense, I think. But this tiny little verse, hidden away in Luke's Gospel, shows or tells us that Jesus needed to take regular time out to spend uh, with his father. He might have been able to do it in a more convenient place, but instead, he chose to bob up the uh, the local mountain, uh, and he actually spent the whole night there in prayer, away from the distractions, away from the the bustle, uh, and where he from where he might have otherwise been staying with all the people um, and the demands that they would otherwise have been putting on them. He had to get away from all of that. Um, and I don't know about you, but I feel the same. We've, we've prayed about everyone who's currently on holiday and, you know, being, being away from, uh, the regular, um, bustle and demands and, and jobs of our daily lives is absolutely key, um, in, in terms of our relationship with God as well. So I, I often feel like I need to get out of, uh, get out of Manchester and out into the hills, um, away from, uh, the jobs and and the other stuff that distracts just to be somewhere to take a breath to to gaze upon the beauty of God's creation perhaps and just spend time in your mind with God doesn't happen very often for me um but yeah I was able to do that a few weeks ago with the the three peaks challenge and that that was really really quite special uh, and I can certainly see why Jesus had to do it regularly, and he took himself away, he took himself up a mountain to to just be with the majesty of God and spend time in prayer. So he took time out in this moment of his ministry, and of course he takes time out um, in in Gethsemane uh, to pray before his final climb. And that's a climb that he makes, of course, with the weight of the world's sin upon his shoulders. It's a climb that he's making in which his blood is already being spilled. It's a climb that actually he could have quite easily chosen not to do. Um, and therefore it's a climb where he had to battle his, his greatest temptation. But like Abraham... Despite knowing what was coming, uh, in total obedience, Jesus does make the climb. And in so doing, his uh, was a mountaintop experience that saved the lives 
of each and every one of us here. And we're going to just reflect and, uh, and remember that now um, in sharing this, this meal of bread and wine together. Uh, and Derek's going to come. Thank you. Thanks for the bread. Thank you, Derek. Loving Heavenly Father, we are truly, truly blessed to have had our eyes opened to the importance of our relationship with you and Jesus and how we have been so blessed to have our eyes open to your word and to the love that we share with you, with Jesus and with one another. Not only at this very moment, but also 24-7, every day, we have this opportunity to reflect on how blessed we are to see and to observe your wonderful creation and to know the truth of your word and to be guided moment by moment in all of our lives to the very fact that you have a plan and purpose that we have been truly blessed to understand and to which we have pointed to this morning by David. This very fact that we all have a mountain to climb and yet we know that our eyes have been opened to see the positive and joyful effect that that word has on our lives when we do truly, truly look to see about us your wonderful creation and the good in life that we can enjoy by that observation. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this very, very lovely time together. We remember that the bread we're about to take, Jesus said, eat and remember me by this. Not only at this moment, but also in the days to come, day by day. Please be with us, Heavenly Father. We do thank you for this bread. We thank you for the love we share in Jesus. And we want to be a part of your plan and your very purpose. And we have been assured by that this morning. Please, Heavenly Father, be with us always on that wonderful day when Jesus returns. Amen. Hello there, God of heaven and earth. It is strange to be talking to you, creator of every atom in the universe. But there are lots of surprising things about you, Father. You are so powerful 
yet there is nothing as gentle as you. You are so righteous, so high above us, and yet there is no one who looks at us with as much grace as you. Father, help us to be really trying to look at you. Not like I'm doing right now with thinking up some clever words to sound deep. Father, we we long for the day to see your face. Right here, right now, while it's not that day just yet, we come to learn what Abraham had a little bit of learning who you are what is your character what is your personality (coughs) you are a person of unconditional self-sacrifice you did the biggest sacrifice that is more hurtful more painful than sacrificing yourself Jesus, you knew it was coming. You needed to be up the mountain, holding his hand, always looking at his face. Father God, help us to help us to just be closer to you, understanding what you've done for us. Not always just being up a mountain with you, but being on the pavement, sat on a seat, fulfilling your desire for this world, that you just want to be closer, closer to us. for your desire to be closer to us, even me. Thank you for what you've done. This is not bread. This is not wine. This is a body and blood that we are really remembering. We are remembering how desperate you are. And from what I've been saying, you might be forgiven for thinking that for us to truly find God, we have to go out of our way and scale the mountains ourselves. Well, the answer to that, of course, is that we don't. Um, Jesus, his intercession means that grace has already flooded the valleys. We don't have to get to higher ground if we don't want to. And that's the point that, um, or one of the points that is trying to be made in, in, in the song that we, we learnt earlier. Grace finds us where we are. 
Having said all of that, it's very rare for the terrain of our lives to always be like the valley floor and flat. Sometimes mountains get put in our way and those are the points where we have a decision to make. Either we turn around and go back or we put our faith and our trust in God and we tackle the mountain head on. When I was um, thinking about um, this morning, early, uh, earlier in the week, uh, Lizzie and I had, had a message out of the blue from my cousin Lucy. Um, Lucy is in her 20s. She's got a really good degree under her belt. Uh, but for the last few years, I think it's four years, um, she's been really struggling to understand what God wants for her in her life. She's done and tried lots of different things, um, but still four years on and she's found herself at the moment almost back to square one. Um, So early in the week, she she sent us a a message uh, giving us her testimony um, of, of, of all that's been going on. But she also wanted to share how God has been moving through his spirit in in her life very recently. After all the dead ends, um, she said that at some point she just went out and cried and cried out to God, asking him for guidance. Um, And after a series of spirit-led moments, interventions from those around her, from the people at her church, um, people that have come into her life, people that she just randomly met whilst whilst going to to a church conference in London... She now finds herself um, preparing to move to California um, and to do a missionary course at the uh, the Bethel Church in Cal- in Reading in in California, um, and that's an absolutely huge thing for her. Um, she's someone who's very much a, a, ho- a home bird, um, but. And the other thing is that she doesn't have any money at the moment to <laughs> to pay pay for it. Um, she doesn't yet know how her her, her living costs are going to be covered. Um, but there is an example of uh, someone who has been called by God to to climb a particular mountain, a mountain that initially um, and still is a very very daunting prospect for her. But she is putting her trust in God. And we're, we're really excited to see uh, and to hear about what her view is like from the top when hopefully she gets there. Um, so that's, that's an example of someone who, who has been called by God very recently um, in, in her life. Um, and I've also spoken quite recently uh, from here about some of Lizzie and my experiences. Um, and actually we're at the point now where we're approaching the summit of what has been a two-year climb of our own. Um, when God called us to, to adopt, it was, uh, it was going up a mountain that I, I, I certainly wasn't uh, sure about to begin with. Um, but it's something that we, we have been called to do and, and have been led to. And Last year, virtually a year ago to the day, we set off uh, with Arthur, if you remember Arthur, um, 
and we couldn't see the path in front of us. The, the, the valley, the mountain was shrouded in cloud, and all we could do was take one step at a time. And that initial route was not, not the way that we expected to go, but we needed to take that route um, in order to get to where we needed to be. And as you know, we had to say goodbye to Arthur, and that was a very horrible experience. Um, we're so thankful for the time that we spent with him. But that time led us uh, to Gracie. Is she here in the room? She's playing. Gracie's playing. But that time uh, that we had with Arthur led us to Gracie, and uh, we still had a big journey to make with Gracie. We had to climb, and we climbed, and we were through the clouds again. We had no idea uh, what was going to happen, where that was taking us. Um, and again, we were having to take it a step at a time. That's all we could see in front of us. Um, but a few weeks ago, the clouds very thankfully uh, parted. I'm using a lot of analogies here, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but we, we, we are now, we have emerged out into the sunlight, as I, I showed in that um, picture earlier, the cairn on top of Ingleborough. And this kind of sums up really this, this picture of a mountain in the Alps with the clouds and the valley. Uh, and the summit on the top that's bathed in glorious sunshine. And, and yeah, thankfully that's where, where Lizzie and I are with, with, with Gracie now and we're very close to getting to that cairn, uh, and the point where, where we will have hopefully legally, uh, adopted her. So, so that's, you know, that's, that's our, our mountain top experience that's currently going on in our lives and we're really, really thankful for that. Um, so, what are the the mountains in your life at the moment? Are are they, uh, or are we just ticking along in the valley? Are we at the foot of one of life's uh, next challenges, or are we coming out of the clouds and at the summit? Wherever we are, um, let's always remember that we are not doing it alone. Our help in whatever circumstance we find ourselves in comes from the Lord and I want to just share with you a song of a sense this is Psalm 121 before we go into our closing time of worship Psalm 121 I lift my eyes to the mountains where does my help come from my help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth he will not let your foot slip he who watches over you will not slumber Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore.